Hello, friends. We are interrupting Healing Hearts to remind you April is not just a month. It's a call to action. This month, we celebrate Volunteer Appreciation and Child Abuse Prevention Month, recognizing those who give their time and hearts to protect our most vulnerable. Every child deserves a life filled with love, safety, and normalcy. But sadly, not every child experiences this. That's where we, as a community, step in. Our amazing volunteers are the unsung heroes working tirelessly to advocate for children's well-being. They're the voices that speak up, the hands that reach out, and the hearts that care deeply. But the fight against child abuse needs much more than just appreciation. It needs action. This April, we invite you to participate in our efforts to protect children, provide them with the normalcy they deserve, and advocate for their rights. Visit www.speakupforkidspbc.org to find out what you can do to amplify the voices of our volunteer advocates. Remember to engage with us on social media. Participate and protect because every child deserves a champion and that champion could be you. Now back to Healing Hearts. Welcome to Healing Hearts, a podcast from Parents Speak Up for Kids. In keeping with the overall mission of 100% advocacy for the foster community, Healing Hearts covers topics of interest for foster children, foster parents, and those who advocate for both. We are your hosts, Sophia and Tanya. In today's episode, we continue our discussion with Akoya Kajus and Lisa Gissiger. Both women aged out of the foster care system and have agreed to share their stories with us. If you have not done so already, please listen to part one of Foster Care is Not a Monolith in advance of listening to this episode. Additionally, please note that we will be discussing some topics that may be sensitive for younger listeners. I wanted to talk about mental health for a second. So obviously that's at the forefront of, I think, society right now, everybody is sort of slowly but surely understanding the importance and recognizing it. Do you think there was a lot of recognizing your mental health when you were in the system? and Or do you think that maybe outside of the system, like you felt like you had to go towards other um, sources or resources like therapy or something like that to get you through it? Well, for me, um, I would say that therapy was uh, always an option. If I wanted it, I could easily access it. There, um, I had caseworkers that were willing to take me to my appointment, or even my guardians would want me to go to therapy because they know how much I had been through, and they really did try to recognize my mental health. Um, but I would say that it was hard to find um, therapists that would make me feel comfortable to share what I wanted to talk about, because a lot of the times it was just support like support in the room it was oh wow you've done so much like you know I can't believe that you've gone this far and it's like well thank you but like how do I not want to escape my like house all the time like how do I go on with my life without thinking about um everything I've been through it's they how do I word it they didn't ask me the right questions and Instead, I was given more medicine to just cancel out the depression, anxiety that I told them I was feeling, rather than strategies how to cope with it. 
And I feel like just getting, I, I wouldn't say force the medicine because I thought that it was, I thought that was the strategy to help it was genuinely like taking a medicine every single day. But it made me feel so different than who I am. I felt completely numb. And one day I just like stopped all the medicinal medicine and I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Did you end up finding a therapist at any point or a counselor to walk through? Honestly, a lot of it was through myself and spirituality. Um, I feel like I made a very strong connection and have been, been able to really tap into my reality with God and the universe as a whole, honestly. Like it's a lot more relieving um, having myself there because at the end of the day, that's all I have. I don't have a counselor when I'm up late at night thinking about the worst. All I have is me and I'm there now to ground myself. Okay. And Okoya? Out of transparency, I keep saying that. <clears throat> but um, a lot of the homes, some of the homes I was at, they were focused on my mental when they wanted to use it for their benefit. I remember um, being in a group home. I'm going to call it out. It's called Unity House, okay, <laughs> in Daytona. And the lady there, her name was Miss Jeanette, who was the house parent slash owner of the facility. She would take me and the other girls to an appointment once a month to see a psychologist. And she would sit there in the room and the psychologist would be across, you know, and she would sit there and talk the whole time saying that I was bipolar, I was depressed, I had frequent mood swings. And I would just sit there like, I'm not bipolar. I don't have frequent mood swings. Everybody has a right to feel how they feel. And I think she tried very hard to get me on medicine, but it just didn't work out by the grace of God. Um, other than that, I didn't even start realizing mental health was something important when I saw so many mentally healthy people, you know, like mentally healthy people, I'm like, dang, like, you know, how do you wake up, you know, and just, you know, handle conflict like this? Like, how did, how did you get to that point? So I started mimicking positive people. And then with the help of God, I was able to like, really like understand and really be able to like, be self-aware in a lot of situations. So yeah. Okay. Both of you are just immensely mature in the ways that you are approaching life, approaching your awareness um, and becoming like just, <laughs> I hate to say becoming women, but be becoming women and um, understanding, understanding yourselves, you know, because like I always say that, you know, you have to be a student of yourself um, because if you're not, then anything anything like you'll go any which way so like I commend you both so much I know um that Lisa just said but no don't commend me tell me how to how to deal but I, I think that you both found stability in like in having to search for it you know what I mean so thank you no trust me it's such an ego boost when you know you get compliments so I don't mind okay excellent Tanya if you don't have any other questions about the background, I kind of want to know about your goals. So if any, anybody wants to go first, I know, Akoya, you just finished a degree and, you know, Lisa, you're in college. So like, what, what are your plans if you have? My plans. Okay. I'm just going to keep, honestly, I don't know where life is taking me, but I know that I got a purpose. I'm, I just feel like right now it's my position to be a student. Um, but for my plans, I honestly want to get my LCSW um, so that I can help families because I wish that somebody could have stepped in 
and like help my family because we were so dysfunctional. And I want to even try to open like a nonprofit for like LMFTs, I guess, to deliver those services to those like those certain communities who can't really afford that type of intervention. I think that would be really cool. Um, so that's one of my goals. I have a lot of goals, but that's one of the goals that I was thinking about late at night the other day. I kind of want to break some some generational like curses, you know, like I want to not to get technical, but I just want to I want to give other young people who's been through my experience a chance and show them that you don't have to stay this way. Like what happened to you? Like you're not what happened to you. You're not what you've been through. You're not what you've had to overcome. But you can always like you have a choice of where your life is going to go. You just have to choose. Like you wake up every day and you can choose. I couldn't help that my mom was an alcoholic. Like there is nothing I can do. But here right now, who I am, the decisions I make, I have that opportunity every day that I wake up. So, yeah. Well said. Lisa? Um, well, I'm still at FAU, but hopefully I will graduate and get my master's in biology. And then from there, I'm hoping that I can get something where I work in a lab. I'm not exactly sure yet where I'll be because I still need to do research and really find my peak interest because I have so much so many interests with science, but I have no idea where exactly I want to go with it. But I know I can always change it in the future. If I, you know, want to try something else, I can do that later. I just am waiting for the opportunities going and seeking them. Um, I would like to have a stable career in biology. So that way I can support myself, um, my future husband, hopefully one day. I've maintained a two-year relationship uh, with my boyfriend since aging out of foster system, and he also attends FAU. So it's been a great college experience so far. Um, and hopefully one day when we're ready, I would love to adopt a group of siblings, you know, take them in. Um, it really does, like, it, it makes my heart fill with joy when I can see how well um, students that have been in foster care are with like their non-biological family. That's what I want. I don't really care to have kids of my own. I would love to take care of kids that are already here because this, you know, this earth, it's already a changing climate. I don't want to add to the population anymore. I'd rather just take what's here. But, um, you know, these kids, they need somewhere to go for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I want to be that for them. I want them to know that they'll always have someone to support them where no matter where they are in life. Because once you're 18, you're not a, you're not an adult anymore. Like you're still a child. You need support your whole life as soon as like you're done with school. Because it felt like with um, a lot of uh, like foster casework and stuff that when I turned 18, I didn't really have a lot of help with appointments for doctor stuff or even just understanding um, the new world really. I didn't know how to set up my bank account and everything. So I really needed someone there. And luckily I had my foster dad to help me out. But I know there's kids that aren't as fortunate as me to have someone there willing to help them with all that. So one day, hopefully I'll be there for them. I think you brought up a really good point, Lisa. I think um, 18, we see it as this magical number, but as the mom of, like, I have two kids, I have one that's 30 and I have one that is 22. And the 30 year old is now a legitimate adult. Like, I feel like, okay, now you get it, you're good. And the 22 year old is still like, eh, I don't know, you know? So I think 18, and I remember being 18, I thought I knew everything and then realized, wow, like I could really use some help here, you know? So um, 
that that whole 18 and aging out and the fact that you and Okoya have been able to navigate all of these different areas of adulthood, you know, is really, um, it's, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. So. 100%. I mean, exactly. I'm turning 18 this year and I still feel like a child. Like I, I it, it really is just that number and you still feel like you need that support or, you know, walking into the world, like how do you do taxes and how do you do all these different things? Like you still need that support. So just getting out of the system and having all that on top of the real world problems of finances and stuff like that is just, I can't imagine it's a lot. What did you want and what would you have to say to those who are thinking about being foster parents? Um, I really wanted respect whenever I was a child going through foster care. It felt like a lot of my guardians always said to me, I'm the adult, you're the child. And to me, that was, okay, well, I have to respect you, but you're allowed to say whatever you want to me. That doesn't make sense. But anything I had to say like to that, it was always considered back talking. When I was just trying to explain why I was feeling this way or why I went about something, I was never name calling or saying anything that like, oh, I'm gonna go do this. I was never never trying to get one head up on them. It was always me trying to explain how I was seeing stuff. And I needed someone there to um, try to see on my level of things and to help me understand what they're seeing. So that way I can make improvements. But it always felt like it was, okay, well, I'm going to tell you this, so you have to do this. There was no explaining. Um, and I think boundaries would have helped with that. Um, like, for me, I slept in a lot when I was in high school. If I had the weekend off and I wasn't working, I was sleeping in, like, no one come in my room, don't wake me up. But my foster parents would have issues with that. They wanted to see me up during the day and me to come out. But I didn't really feel safe coming out of my room, just going to the fridge, grabbing something to eat. I would be on my phone all the time texting friends because that's who I felt comfortable with. And I didn't understand why they were always so mad at me for being on my phone and staying in my room all the time. I wish we could have been able to communicate how we were feeling and make an effort to maybe say, okay, well, let's go watch a movie together in the living room. Let's go um, make something for dinner together. Let's do something and just connect. Because when you're a child and you don't feel like you have a whole lot, you really need people to connect with you, people to give you something to show that you're not alone. And I think that foster parents that are willing to help kids in this situation, you know, they're, they're something, they're, they've got something for them. And, you know, you're not alone. Um, for foster parents to me, I would say one, if you're gonna take me, take me for the right reasons. And if you're getting paid to have me, at least take care of me, and just feed me because I remember being at a group home. We ate, almost ate noodles every night for dinner. The ramen noodles, the orange packs, I don't eat them today as an adult. Almost every night that was the go-to, you know, for dinner, which was frustrating. Another thing is I feel like some foster parents, they just throw all this like support or they just throw all this togetherness on you at one time. And they, it's kind of like they feel entitled so you having a relationship with them as soon as you step foot in their door. But maybe you should focus on building rapport with me first, like building an actual genuine relationship and not thinking just because now I'm under your roof, I should just be okay with calling you mom. I should just want to come out of my room and hang out with you. I should just want to be up under you all the time. Like 
that was a very frustrating thing. So I would just say they should at least, you know, back off a little bit and just, it takes time to build a relationship in anything. Agree, agree with the um, relationship piece. Exactly. What would you have to say to a child who's new to the foster care system? How to sort of get through that aspect, sort of how you, you know, came into the system? I would say ask questions and you keep asking them until they get answered. I wish that I would have done that, like going through the foster care system. Um, I just listen, but I, but even my childhood was like, you don't talk, you listen. Like I'm the adult, you're the child, you say nothing. Like you just be there. So I took that mindset with me into the foster care like system. I never asked questions. Even when it was burning inside of me to ask it, I just never did. And I feel like some things would have been avoidable had I asked questions. Maybe my time would have been a little bit more bearable. And then I would kind of tell them the whole process, where their life is headed. I'll tell them all the benefits. If they were to be adopted, if they were to stay in the system and take their life very seriously because they're really on their own in this most of the time, unless they get a good person. I agree with asking questions. That That's a huge one. Like a kid really needs to know like what the possibilities are for their future because when all that stuff isn't being told to your face, you don't really know what to expect when you age out. But um, I would specifically say just talk in general, like talk as much as you want. If someone's not going to listen with compassion, go find someone who will, because there will be someone out there who's going to listen to you and want to help you. Wow, that makes sense. That definitely, I think that'll reach a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I think you guys together have just accomplished so much um, for this podcast, like, because, you know, we, we advocate for foster children, um, foster parents, just overall advocacy for, um, for child victims. And listening to your words of wisdom, I think that kids and parents are going to walk away with so much more information um, and a different insight and perspective and think about things in ways that they hadn't before. Yeah. I'm just interested to see where their lives lead. So I'll probably do a little cyber stalking <laughs> to see where, um, where Lisa and Akoya, um end up. And um, I'm just, I'm just honored. Um, it was a privilege having them on Healing Hearts. Really was. Happy to be here. I never really thought I'd be able to have the opportunity to share my story like out here like this. It's always been with close friends, but actually putting it out there, knowing that it will help someone, that someone's going to listen and resonate with some part of this podcast. That's what I really enjoy. It makes me feel empowered because you know what? Growing up, I was very embarrassed about being in foster care. But as I got older, I started seeing all the advocacy going on. I'm like, I went through that too. Let me tell somebody. So it just makes me feel not ashamed anymore. Like this, this is what I went through. So thank you guys for that. Thank you for tuning in today for part two with our panelists, Lisa Gisiger and Okoya Kajust. New episodes of Healing Hearts premiere every two weeks. So follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. For more information about Parents Speak Up for Kids, to submit a show idea or questions, or to appear as a guest, email parents at speakupforkidspbc.org. Until next time, remember the heart is like a garden and it needs tending to heal and grow. You've been listening to Healing Hearts.